Hello, we are glad you're listening to this message by Dr. M. Oladoin Odubanjo. You are sure to receive God's whole counsel for your life, family, work, and all that concerns you in these contemporary times. Hallelujah. Um, as they say, uh, or as we heard, today is Palm Sunday. So we're going to read, you know, I, I started something last week which I titled Worship 101. So I'm teaching the basics of worship. Amen. Uh, but we will take it again, even from Luke 19 and John chapter 4, which we used last week. And actually, just before I came up, a story came to my mind. Um, a, a, a gentleman was walking through uh, a graveyard, you know, but apparently some people had dug a deep, a, a deep pit, you know, in the graveyard, which was not covered. So as this man walked in the middle of the night through the graveyard, he fell into the pit, you know, and it was quite deep. So he tried, you know, to get out, but he couldn't get out. He cried for help. There was no help around. You know, uh, so he gave up. He knew that this was it for the night, at least. You know, so he sat in there in one corner, just waiting for the night to pass. Uh, but while he did, another gentleman coming by fell into the pit. You know, and um, he didn't note that there was somebody in the pit already in the corner, and uh, he kept trying to get out, just like the first man. He kept jumping and and trying to grab and and and, and get out, but he he couldn't. So the other man sitting in the corner was watching him and was just amused, you know, because it's like you've been through this before, you know, and you know that you can't get out, you know. So he was watching this guy that soon enough he will come and sit down with me. You know, you will realize that there's no way out of this place by yourself. So as he watched this guy jumping and jumping and jumping, eventually he said, you will never get out. And the man jumped out. <laughs> You know, um, I know some of you don't get it still. But as soon as the man heard the voice in the corner saying, you will never get out, he thought that was a dead man speaking from the pit. <laughs> so that gave him enough push that immediately he jumped out. Hallelujah. You know, so how big is your want to? If you really want to, you can do it. Amen? So the moment he heard the voice, he really wanted to get out. <laughs> and he made it out. Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter 4. Look at your neighbor. Say, how big is your want to? Amen. So you can do whatever you really want to do. That's what it means. Amen. John chapter 4. We'll read from verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, uh, maybe we need to take this a little earlier so you get a view, but I just felt it would be too long a reading. So, anyway, start from verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father is spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Go to Luke chapter 19, because this is um, Palm Sunday. So go to Luke, the 19th chapter. We're going to read that as well. I will take that from verse 32. It says, So those who were sent went. Are you there? I hear pages flipping. Are you there yet? Luke 19, 32. 
Okay, good. I'll take it again. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. You know, one of the things that occurred to me there is that when he sends you, you have to go. And uh, except you go, you don't get the evidence of what he said. Okay? Meaning that when God speaks to you, you have to take a risk on what he has said. If you don't take a risk on what he has said, you will never get a confirmation that what he said was true. If you sit back, you debate it, debate it, debate it, debate it, you will forever wonder whether, what, whether that was God speaking to you, whether what God said to you will come to pass uh, or not, or would have happened or not, but you missed the opportunity. Are, are you with me? This may not be for everybody, but I believe it's for somebody. You know, so if he said it to you, then you have a, to take a risk based on what he has said and act. Amen. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were losing the coat, the owners of it said to them, Why are you losing the coat? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the coat, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he said, he answered and said to them, I tell you that if this should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Pardon me, but I don't think I'll be able to do justice to these texts altogether this morning. Uh, but like I said, we're dealing with uh, just the basics of worship. However, uh, take note, just as a background, that many of the things, or virtually all of the things that I would say, or I might say, or I'm likely to say, are contained even in this text, one way or the other, if you went back and you studied them. So, because it's Palm Sunday, let's start from here. Okay, from here, basically, Jesus came in riding on a colt or a young uh, donkey, as it were. You know, and normally, we would expect, uh, or people will come in to church, you know, um, and in many churches this morning, there will be a donkey tied outside, uh, and uh, children will ride upon the donkey. Uh, there would be people holding what we call palm fronds. How many people know palm fronds? You know, uh, because times are changing, isn't it? Uh, so sometimes you have to ask these questions to be sure that people know what you are talking about. A amen? You know, this, this week, for instance, uh, a, a great Nigerian died by the name of Chinua Achebe, okay? Uh, but then one of the things that struck me, which never occurred to me could be the case, was that somebody said that, you know, on Twitter and all of those things, some people started asking, who is Chinua Achebe? You know, and I thought, hey, <laughs> how can you ask that kind of question in this country, that who is Chinua Achebe? I mean, you don't have to read his book, just like Wale Shoenka, I'm not sure I read any of his books, but I know Wale Shoenka, you understand what I mean? I don't need to read his book to know who he is, to know what he stood for, uh, and all of that. So there are certain people that are that way. Uh, but then also, the same way we have to ask these questions, and we have to say some of these things. In fact, uh, last week I was talking to uh, Mrs. Sajiri and I said, you know, can you get the children, can you organize the children to, to do a drama or a recitation or something uh, about Easter? You know, and I was pointing out to her that, you see, we are living in a dangerous world and, it, and in dangerous times when all of these things are being swept under the rug. And not unintentionally, but actually deliberately. You know, so now people are being taught about the Easter egg you know, when it's Easter, they know about the Easter egg. There's also uh, what they call the Easter bunny. How many people know the Easter bunny? You ever heard about the Easter bunny? See, all of you are too religious. You see, so the, the point is that you know, you know certain basics. You take them for granted that what is Easter about, what is Christmas about. But these days when they do surveys in the developed world and they're asking people what is Easter, they say, I don't know, I just know that I have a holiday. <laughs> you understand? So we're living in dangerous times and I said you have to teach some of these basics. 
even to the children. Okay? So normally why I, I said all, all of that, because I was saying that normally we will come to church holding palm fronts, you know, made in the form of crosses. Uh, some of those things have their values, but then don't be distracted by them. That is not entirely what the whole thing was about. In fact, many people who held palm fronts didn't even know what really happened in the Bible that was related to Palm Sunday. Okay? Uh, are you still there, anybody? I think the, perhaps the most significant thing in here is what we just read. The most significant thing about the Palm Sunday is what we just read, which is that if you read the whole scriptures, this was the only time that Jesus actually came in triumphantly and being worshipped publicly as the king. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Being worshipped publicly as Lord. There was no other time in his time on earth that that was done or acceptable. Are you hearing me? This was the only time that when he came into Jerusalem on a donkey, they actually worshipped him as king. Are you still there? You know, and that made a whole world of restraint. At that time, he went into their temple, he drove out the money changers, so there was a turn around in life, as it were. There was a turn around in worship, as it were, and he pointed out to them that this is the house of prayer, you have turned it into a den of things. Are you hearing me? So there was revival at the back of it. There was revival at the back of it. But let me take you back and say that when they worshipped him, the, the Jews said, why don't you rebuke your disciples? This is linking us to something, okay? And he said to them, if these people should keep quiet, then the stones will does that say something to you about worship and how God desires worship? Does that say something to you about the, 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 the nature of God and worship? He said, if they stop talking, listen, let's, let's bring it to our day. What God is saying is simple. He said, if you stop worshipping him, then the stones will cry out and worship him. Because God must get the worship. Are you there? Takes us back to John chapter 4 where Jesus sat with this woman by the well uh, uh, in Samaria, and they talked. And then this woman said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay? And one of our first major concerns again was worship. She said, now you, the Jews, you tell us that we ought to worship in Jerusalem, but our father said we ought to worship here. He said, what is the real answer? And Jesus said, none of those. Are you hearing me? Because he was saying your problem, I mean, just as a, a, a recap of what we said last week, he was saying your problem is that you are carried away with the physical elements of worship. Are you still there? People are thinking that, well, until we build a glass, glass cathedral, we can't worship God. People are thinking that until we have the Yamaha motif, am I right? Uh, or it's until we have the latest cog and all of that, we can't worship God. People are thinking that I can't worship God simply because the worship leader is singing off tune. Are you hearing what I'm saying, anybody? I think it's coming back home now. Are you hearing me? Now, if, if you are struck and contained and distracted by those things, then this message is for you. The same thing that Jesus told the woman, but it is not about where you worship. It is not about you worshiping here or worshiping there. It is not about the physical the external things, he said, but the hour is coming and it's not still in the future, he said, but now is. When the true worshippers must worship God, what? In spirit and in truth. So what, what really matters to God is that you worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter to him that you have the old Yamaha 200. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't matter to him that it, what you have is the, uh, what do you call it, the karaoke keyboard and the karaoke uh, loudspeaker. That doesn't matter to God. Are you still there? As a matter of fact, if you can't give him good quality worship just by yourself in your, in your closet or out there on the field somewhere, then you can't give him quality worship even if we gave you a 21 band, uh, how do you call it, a 21 member band to back you up. Are you still with me? You know, it's the same way that I've watched people, uh, I mean, and, and over time and over the years in the ministry, I've watched people put, for instance, an emphasis on dressing. Okay? And I say to them that if, as a minister, you can't carry God's power in your singlet and shorts, then if you wear a three-piece suit, it won't come on you. Are you with me? So, it's not the, the making of a minister is not the external, it is what is inside. Are you still there? 
You know, I, I've told the story before how we moved to a new place and I, I woke up and I was cleaning the car and all of that and the son of the neighbor upstairs came and he said, ah, you're a pastor. I was shocked. Because we had barely been there, I think about a week or two, you know, and he said, you're a pastor. And I, I stood, I, I quickly racked my brain because I, I was thinking to myself, what is going on here? You know, because God reveals himself, sometimes he says to babes and sucklings. So I thought, is this boy walking in visions and, and, and all of those things? What exactly is happening here? Because I know, usually when you meet me for the first time, you won't get to tell. I won't give you a card that says that I'm a pastor. I won't say, uh, or, uh, I won't punctuate every sentence with praise God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm actually going to avoid all of that so that hopefully you won't know. What I want you to know first is who I am. And then after a while, I want you to begin to wonder why is he the way he is. So when this young boy wakes up and he says, you're a pastor, I said, ah. Then I looked, I, I thought, okay, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I asked him, I said, why did you say so? He said, because you have a jeep. Can, can you, can you? <laughs> you very simple. The boy just very simply, why? He had tied it to say, pastors have jeeps. So when you see jeep, it equals pastor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I gave you that as in comparison or as an illustration to show that that is what is happening to us in the body of Christ. We are beginning to think that many of these external things mean something else. Are you hearing what, what I'm saying? We're beginning to think that when we see these external things, they refer to something uh, spiritual, as it were. So the same way, when a pastor comes, he has to come in his suit and tie, or three-piece suit and all of that, uh, and then you will know he's a pastor. You know, it's a little distraction. But when they were going to kill Jesus, they needed Judas to identify him. Uh, are you with me? If he actually looked very different from everybody else, they wouldn't need somebody to identify him. Are you with me? You don't need anybody. I mean, very often if you stood in a service, we're having a service here, a convention or whatever, and a man of God walks in, you will look and say, that's the man of God. You, I don't even understand what I'm trying to talk about. Because he walks in, his suit is different. Even if the others wore suits, theirs is Taylor Laurent. Here is his, what, Pierre Cardin, and all of that. He's different. His suit is silk. Are you hear what I'm saying? Uh, and then somebody is carrying his Bible, somebody is holding his handkerchief, somebody is holding his phone. He, are you with me? So when he walks in, you know. This is the man of God. But when it was Jesus, they had to find somebody who knew him to say, the, in fact, the man got money for that kind of service. Can you imagine that? He got money for it, that I will show you the man. Whoever I kiss among them is him. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver for that kind of service. Because he was that difficult to identify. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not saying that he was something very bad, because again, the Bible said, are you hearing me? The Bible said that when they killed him, they were casting lots, so they were gambling to see who would take the clothes. It couldn't be that bad. Nobody wants, I mean, have you ever seen an arm robber or, or a murderer and then you want to keep his clothes as a souvenir in your house? Nobody wants to keep that. So it must have been good clothes that somebody wanted. Are you hearing me? And so when they are taking everything else, they decided among themselves, this one. They said, no, ah. In fact, the Bible says that it was clothing that was woven. I don't know how to describe that. It was woven from one piece, which is like, almost like something like you don't cut any part of it. They eat. I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, it was good. <laughs> are you with me? It was good. So they cast lots for it. Are you still with me? They cast lots for it, but guess what? Look at where I'm going. Which is that if they cast lots for it, right? If that cloth was that good, it tells me, and they needed Judas to identify me, him, it tells me that Peter also had the same kind of cloth. Are you hearing me? It tells me that James was wearing the same kind of cloth. All of them were wearing the same kind of nice cloth that Jesus wore. Are you still there? We'll all be blessed together. Hey, you missed a good place to say amen. I said we'll all be blessed together. Amen. Nobody's going to be more blessed. Can I have a louder amen? amen? We will all be very blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that's God's will that we all are blessed. Anyway, back to the woman. So Jesus said to her that your problem is not any of those external things. 
God actually desires worship. Again, like I pointed out to you from Luke chapter 19. He said, if they don't worship, then the stones will cry out. Because God desires worship. And over time, I was sharing that also last week, that I, as I began to pursue God, as I began to chase after God, because I made up my mind from day one that I'm not going to be an ordinary Christian. Whatever that means. Because there's really, in reality, there's no ordinary Christian. Are you hearing me? But I made up my mind that I was going to experience God all the way. I made up my mind that whatever God had to offer, I was going to get it. Are you with me? I was not going to be satisfied with just going to church on Sunday and going back home and reading my daily bread every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I made up my mind that it was going to be different. If God was a powerful God, I would experience that power. If God was a healing God, I would experience His healing. Are you hearing me? Whatever God had, if He was a provider, I would experience His divine provision. My mind was made. And in one of those times, as I began to seek after God, he began to point out to me that one way, in fact, a major way to get to God is through worship. Are you still there? In Matthew 15, there's an interesting story. There's a woman there who came to Jesus. She was a, a, a Canaanite, you know, which basically means that she had no covenant with God. Okay, the Jews, as at that time, only the Jews did. Okay, so this woman was a Canaanite. She came to Jesus and she said, Look, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So she needed a breakthrough. She needed a miracle. She needed a deliverance. Are you still there? So she came to him and the Bible says, As she asked him, Jesus ignored. Again, one of those rare things you read in the Bible is that somebody was crying out for help and Jesus completely ignored that woman. In fact, he ignored her so much that the disciples said to him, Master, send her away. For she's crying out after us, meaning she's embarrassing us. Send her away. After all, you are not answering her, so send her away. And then the Bible says, then the woman came and worshipped him. Are you still there? I said, are you there? I think that's verse 25. Then she came and she did what? She worshipped him. And she said, Master, have mercy on me. Listen, when she came and she worshipped him, he answered. Are you still there? Then he turned around and he said, hey, we cannot cast the children's bread to the dogs. Still an insult, but he answered. He never answered that before then. And then the woman said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that are under the table. And the woman said, go thy way, for your daughter is healed. Are you hearing me? She came and she worshipped him. She couldn't get his attention until she worshipped him. So we spent quite some time last week talking about the importance of worship. I hope that in your private time, you spend time worshipping God. Listen, because if you do that, we won't have a problem with worship in church. Are you with me? We won't have a problem with worshipping God. I don't have a problem if we spend two hours, all of our two hours here, just worshipping God. I don't have a problem with that. That would be awesome. In fact, all of the things that we desire God to do for us, He will do. I was listening to a man, uh, a great preacher that I love to listen to, Bill Johnson. And he was sharing, he said, you know, most of the time that he doesn't get to ask God uh, his requests. He said he just gets lost in fellowshipping with him, in worshipping him, in exalting him. He said, but guess what? His requests or his desires get fulfilled. They get met. Are you with me? If you will learn the power of worship. Somebody else, again, like I pointed out, God pointed out to me very clearly that worship was the way. I watched Benny in. I saw great miracles, but I saw a great worshiper. Are you with me? Most of the time people will see just the miracles. Ah, the power. You receive it. You people are falling. Eat. Blind is see. But I saw a great worshiper. I saw someone who could spend time just worshiping God. Giving him quality worship. Are you still with me? I said, are you there? And if you will experience the same thing, if you will experience that revival, that breakthrough, and all of those things you have desired, then you have to learn some of these basics. Now, one of the things, again, that occurred to me is that when you teach some of these things, uh, they are so simple 
that many people miss them. Are you there? They are so simple. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. He said, I fear for you, lest you should be deceived by the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. I discovered that if you were to find things that are very difficult for people to do, they would do them gladly in order to get to God. So if we said, everybody, next Sunday, you want a breakthrough from God, come in slippers, bathroom slippers. No makeup, fast from Friday to Sunday, even from this Monday. And everything you have desired in your life, the Lord will do it for you. You'll be shocked at how people will be striving so hard to do those things. Are you with me? People will be striving. People who have never fasted from morning to 12 noon. They will be striving to fast because they are thinking, ah, if I can do this difficult one, God will answer me. But listen, He will answer if you do these simple things. Novel A's. In fact, you need to listen to Novel A's, okay? Uh, he has, for instance, two classic, I'll call them classic uh, materials. He has a classic material that I like. It's called How to Live and Not Die. Can I hear you say How to Live and Not Die? When my mom had, I mean, was diagnosed with cancer, because that was the second one. My dad died of cancer in 2003. When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, that was one of the materials I had to find. Because I knew it, but I, I had to, I ordered it. How to live and not die. And I said, feed on this. Feed, feed on it. Nobel Ace is known to teach. It will teach you how to live and not die. No matter what you are diagnosed with. How to live and not die. But guess what? Nobel Ace will always emphasize worship. We were saying last week, for instance, three major things. Number one, that worship commands the presence of of God. Worship commands the presence of God. Where there is worship, God's presence will always be there. Okay? The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So where there is worship, God's presence will always be in that place. If it's in your room, it will be there. If it's in your car, it will be there. If it's in your house, it will be there. You hear what I'm saying? If it's in your office, it will be there. People have asked me, for instance, before, that when I get in the office, I put on my music as I do my work. And, I, and one day somebody asked me, say, why do you do that? I said, I'm creating an atmosphere. I'm creating an atmosphere here. That's what I'm doing. Are you with me? I'm taking charge. I'm creating an atmosphere that is charged with God's presence. So if you worship God, His presence will be with you. As a matter of fact, I just remembered, you know, Novelez was sharing how he changed. Novelez was a multi-millionaire businessman. In fact, he's still a multi-millionaire businessman. But except that today he doesn't run the businesses. Most of the time he's busy preaching. He's not in the, he's not in the offices or doing business. Okay, but he still owns businesses. Uh, but he will tell you that his life changed uh, when he, as he was driving his car uh, one day, and he was just worshipping God. He said, God came in my car. God came into my car and he parked on the highway and just spent time crying, worshipping God. He said, from that day my life changed. He said, and very often he would go to places, he walked in places and people say, ah, how did you know this? How did you do that? He said, you really want to know? God came into my car. Look at someone and say, God can come into your car. Number two, we're saying that if you would worship God, in fact, you know what? I can call worship is called misery. Or whatever missile is the best and most powerful they have now. Worship is like that. When you worship, like we said, God begins to move. God begins to do things. The Bible says in Psalm 76 verse 1, it's in praises that God is known. You want to see the best of God, offer Him praise. Are you there? I said, are you there? So if you spend a lot of time, more time, uh, uh, worshipping God and thinking about your problems, then watch God solve the problems. Are you still there? Almost like in Acts 16, which we spoke about the last time, you know, and Paul and Silas were in prison. And when they were in prison, you know, and the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas praised God. So at midnight, they were not busy uh, consoling themselves. Ah, Paul, see the trouble now, enter now. Eh? Now, wow, we hope God will deliver us. Now, wow, in fact, I'm, me, I'm even hungry. I don't like the food in this place. You know, you, they, they were not busy complaining, but the Bible says at midnight, they prayed and they sang praises. Are you there? So at the toughest hours of your life, you need to learn how to just worship God. 
In fact, if you listen, I don't know how many people listened to the I mean, broadcast yesterday. I've been teaching about birthing the promise of God. You know, birthing the promises of God in your life. And we're looking about the faith of Abraham. Okay? And one of the things you see about the faith of Abraham is that the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 4 that Abraham was, he was strengthened. No, Romans chapter 4. He was strengthened in faith as he gave praises to God. So, all of that idea of, of believing God for a child when he, he had been barren and when he was a hundred years old, the Bible says his faith was strengthened as he spent time giving praises to God. One of our bigger issues is that we spend a lot of time, even in our closets, complaining about the challenge. Are you there? Complaining about the challenge and not giving praise to God. Okay? And what happens is that when you give praise to God, God becomes what? Magnified. Magnified. So God becomes bigger in your view than the problems that you are faced with. And guess what? Your faith is therefore strengthened. Because all of a sudden you can see God bigger and clearer. And you can see that God is far more than able to take care of the challenges that you are faced with. Can I have a loud amen? amen. Hallelujah. Last thing we said is that the, when you praise God, it creates an atmosphere where God can speak to you. So if you are looking for instructions, maybe you are wondering about direction in life. What do I do? Where do I turn? What's the next thing? Spend a lot of time just worshipping God. Hallelujah. So today I want, to, I, want, I want to begin to close this sermon. And I want to share certain keys that will help you become a great worshiper. Now, don't forget this. Jesus said that the hour is coming, okay? So he was basically telling this lady, I mean, when Jesus answered her, he was really telling her in summary how to really worship God. Number one, he said what? He said, you worship what you do not know. So if you must be a great worshiper, you need to know God. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to know God because you need to think about who you are worshipping if you must worship Him right. Are you, are you still there? You know, it, 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 we, we do certain things unconsciously. For instance, if you walked into a place uh, or you were going into a meeting and they told you the people that will be there. Oh, you know, the, the, the um, Senate chairman is going to be there. You know, the, the Speaker of the House of Representatives is going to be there. In fact, the Vice President of the country is going to be there. Guess what? It changes your comportment. It changes how you approach those people. You know, you don't walk into the room that they have told you that, look, the people in there, whether you recognize them or not, are the governor, uh, the, the deputy governor, the speaker of the House of Assembly. They walk in there and say, hey, man, hey, what's up, what's up? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? It changes your comportment entirely because you are thinking of who they are. When you go to God, you need to think about who he is. It means you know him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It means you must know him. If you must be a good worshiper, a great worshiper, every time you want to lift your hand and worship him and all of that, or every time we call for that in church, you need to think about who you are worshiping. Are you still there? You need to think about who is that God? Who is he? You need to think about what he has done. Okay? The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that we read, for instance, it said that the people were thinking about all of the signs that he did. You need to think about what he has done. It begins to influence your worship. You can't worship who you do not know. In Acts chapter 17, Paul was in a place called Athens. And as he looked around, you know, as he looked around, as he looked around, he saw these people were very religious. So they had many gods. Okay? And then they had another altar. And they labeled that altar. They said this is to an unknown God. Now, of course, their worship was confused. Their worship was ineffective. Why? Because they did not even know the God. So when Paul began to speak to them, he said, It is that God that you do not know that I have come to declare to you. And he began, if I preach a message on that, an introduction of God, you know, and he began to tell them about that God, the God who created the ends of the earth. You hear what I'm saying? So he told them, he said, look, you can't get it right. I've come to declare to you that God, you have an altar to him, but you don't know him. So you can't get the worship right. Are you still with me, anybody? I said, are you here? Look at your neighbor, say, are you hearing what he's saying this morning? 
So every time you are about to worship God, every time you are going to sing, every time you are going to clap your hands or whatever you want to do, think about who God is. Think about what God has done. If you don't know anything else, at least you know what he has done for you. Abby? And so think about that. Let that begin to bring up a well of praises and worship to him. You know, too often we forget. Too often we forget. When we go before God, we forget the things that he has done. We are always thinking about our present need. And going before him without need. But remember again Psalm 100 and verse 4. What does he say? He says, come into his presence with thanksgiving. And into his cause with what? Praise. One of the things that I loved about my late dad was the way he would wake up. Uh, he never had the wrong side of his bed. For all of the years that I can remember, he would wake up with praises. He would get up. He was a bank manager, so he could afford to just be relaxed and, and, and feel that, well, he's blessed. Are you hear what I'm saying? So it's, it's okay. Life is good. He doesn't need God. But every single time, in fact, we hated it as children. Because he would wake up and he always had a bell. So we hated it. Are you hearing me? Yeah, and my dad would get up with his bell and bang, 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 bang. So everybody, get up! Let's go praise God. And he would come down with his tambourine. This is daddy. And I'll be looking at him sometimes like, what's wrong with this man? <laughs> you know, if I maybe in modern lingo, what's shocking this man? But guess what? On no day, and I, I, I can say that with all, uh, with no fear of contradiction, on no day, do I remember him waking up and just, you know, looking morose, sitting there, oh, yeah, everybody, let's pray. Let's just pray. Every single time, he would sing, and he would be dancing. He would sing, 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 sing. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. But I soon learned. Are you hear what I'm saying? Listen, you know, on some of those days, after I got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, loving God, growing in, in, in Christ Jesus, became a minister of, a go, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, on, on some of the, if I remember clearly one morning, we had finished everything, but there was trouble brewing in his office. Are you hearing me? There was trouble brewing in his office. The man came, everybody left the prayer, the prayer ground, and my father said, Pastor, come. And he knelt down. And he said, pray for me. I have a very tough meeting today. You know, so he, he, things were rough. Things were tight. But you couldn't know. He was just still busy singing and dancing and praising God. As a matter of fact, when he retired after 38 years in the bank, and it was a, how do I put it, a forced retirement. You know, because they changed their policy and said you had to go if you had spent so many years there. It was supposed to become the, the head of the bank. And they just played him. It was boardroom politics. And he said, you have to retire. And my dad was going to retire, and he called a praise service. Can you imagine that? Somebody who has just been played out of his right and his position. So when he retired, no, it wasn't party or anything. He called. It was, they used the hall of the bank, and he called. He called, in fact, uh, what's it called? Apostle Bupola came to preach, and people were singing. People, and, you know, and, and people were wondering. What kind of person is this? They played you out of your, your rightful position and you are still singing, you are still dancing, you are still praising God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to learn the power of worship and think about who you are serving. If I remember somebody asking him, why are you doing this? And my dad said, if you spent for 38 years in a bank, and you never got into trouble. And whether somebody set you up or a mistake happened and all of that, he said you have cause to give God praise because it has to be God that helped you. Are you still there? You know, now for, for, for that little statement that he said, for at, at least my little me, I knew his colleagues and I knew what trouble some of them got into. I knew even how his boss was going to get into trouble and it was my dad who rescued him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he said, if you can spend this long, in this institution, and you come out unscattered, he said, then you need to praise God. Maybe Mr. Books will understand better. Are you with me? I said, are you there? So number one, think of who you are 
worshipping. Number two, forget yourself. Okay, one of the great hindrances to great worship for people is that we are too self-conscious. Whether it is just us, or we are thinking about our issues, our problems, our challenges, but we are too self-conscious. You can't worship God except you forget yourself. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4. Are you getting anything this morning? Revelations, the fourth chapter. It says, Revelations 4, verse 10. It says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Very simply, what strikes me here is that the 24 elders cast down their own crowns. Are you hearing me? To worship him, they remove their own crown. We are nobody. Are you getting me? They just removed it. We are nobody where you are concerned. For you created all things. By you they exist. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, they are nobody. Too many people are important people in God's presence. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. That too many of us are too important even in God's presence. We stand there, we're too conscious of who we are. I am this. I am that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And even while we are trying to worship God, you are conscious of what you are wearing. You are conscious of who is looking at you. Who cares? You can't worship Him except you cast down your crown and focus upon Him. For He is the one who created all things and by Him they exist. So it means that He created you. He created your position. He created the breath in your nostrils. He made it possible for you to be here. So why are you so focused upon yourself when it's time to give Him the honor? Are you still there? If you will worship God in spirit and in truth, like Jesus said, these are the things it entails. You will forget yourself. You can't worship God also when you are thinking about your trouble. God, you need to do this for me. God, you, you know there is this challenge. He says he is the one. By him all things were created and by him they still exist. So if he is the one, then I can afford to ignore all of the issues. I can even ignore myself and focus upon him for now. Are you there? In Luke chapter 7, it's also in, in the other Gospels. It, it's in uh, Matthew, um, I forgot the chapter now. I think Matthew 26. It's in Mark chapter 14. You know, there's the story of a woman who walked in. Jesus was sitting with all of these important people. And this woman walks in, okay? Luke 7. She walks in and she takes a alabaster box of expensive oil. In fact, historically, they tell us that what she had uh, was as expensive as a man's annual wage. Okay, so let's put it this way. This perfume that she had was Giorgio the best. Are you hear what I'm saying? Giorgio the best. And not just Giorgio the best, it was Giorgio the most expensive. You know, so maybe while you have, you know, there was a time when all the perfumes, we look at the perfumes that cost 500 naira. Okay? Uh, now you say, oh, you're a big man, you buy a perfume. You say, my perfume is worth 7,000 naira. You know, there are people who use perfume that cost 100,000. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, that's what they buy. They buy perfume, 100,000, 200,000. That's their perfume. Okay, so this woman had this expensive box of perfume. Uh, she walked right through the crowd, came to the table where Jesus was, and she broke the box. She didn't even have enough patience enough decency, enough dignity to open the box. She broke the box in his presence. She broke the box and emptied the contents upon him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she began to worship him. In fact, as she was, she was weeping. The Bible says her tears were falling all over her feet and she used her, uh, what do you call it now? Her hair. Yeah, I'm looking at which one now. That is uh, braids, have you? 
uh -huh, you know, uh, long braids, okay? And she used it to wipe his feet. She lost all dignity. Are you getting what I'm saying? She lost absolutely all dignity. But guess what? She got his attention. Everybody else there complained. Why didn't they just take this expensive way? Even if she wanted to worship him with it, she could have just given it to him. Then we could have sold it and, and given the money to the poor. Okay? They were all rationalizing. I'm talking about the fact that you must forget yourself. There are people who are rationalizing. When they stand and they want to worship God, they rationalize. I'm in white. How can I kneel down? Sounds familiar. Are you there? Sounds familiar. You are rationalizing. That's what you are doing. You are conscious about yourself. If I knew down the white, at least the knees will become uh, dirty. You know, and, and I'm still going to a party after church. Are you with me? The woman didn't care. She didn't care. But guess what Jesus said about her? He said, forever, as long as the gospel is preached, they will mention this woman. Am, am I not doing it today? It was so significant a worship that he said, guess what? This woman will never be forgotten. In fact, she, he said something else in that Luke 7, which is why I picked on Luke 7 now. I mean, uh, and he said, look, if, since I came into your house, because when the disciples were complete, then he looked at Peter. He said, since I came into your house, you have not offered me water. Okay? He said, but if you have somebody who was forgiven, if somebody was forgiven a hundred thousand naira, and somebody else was forgiven ten thousand naira, he said, who is likely to love more? He said, oh, Peter quickly answered, I said, the man who forgave, who was forgiven a hundred thousand naira, he said, the same way it is with this woman. You people think she's uh, an undeserving woman, she's not, I mean, why, why would I allow her near me? He said, but this woman is doing these things because she has been forgiven much. She's thinking about what has, what has been done for her, what she has received from me, how big and great it is, so she doesn't care. Are you still there? I know it's time to tell me it's time to stop. Hallelujah. I said, are you there? So, number one, we said what? You should know who and think of who you worship when you worship. Number two, you should forget yourself. Number three, you should be led by the Spirit, even when you worship God. You should be led by the Spirit when you worship God. Okay, so when the, when, when the worship is going on and you are being inspired by God to do something or the other, do it. The worship is going on, you are inspired to lift your hand and then you are thinking, you will think my own is too much. You are inspired to kneel down, you are thinking, hey, hey, I don't know what the people will say, nobody else is kneeling down in this place. It matters what God is saying to you. You know, one of the things that struck me is that that woman with the alabaster box, nobody had done that before. Are you there? Nobody had done that before, so there was no way she could have been taught what to do. But when she did it, you know what Jesus said? He said, she, an, she has anointed my body for burial. So, there was an inspiration somewhere. Because he was going to be killed and buried, this woman had no clue. But the Holy Ghost was inspiring her to go anoint him with oil for the burial. Even though she didn't know what it was, she just knew that she was inspired to go, take that expensive oil she had, and go anoint him with it. And when Jesus was speaking, he said, this is what she's doing. She's anointed my body for burial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There was an inspiration. If you must worship, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. Meaning that you must pay attention. You must be flexible. You must be willing when God is inspiring you to do something. Don't stand there and just be and rationalize it away. Do what he has inspired you to do. That's real worship. Let me say very quickly the last point, which is that if you must, just as Jesus said, then you have to think of what you are doing, think of what you are saying, when you are singing, think of what you are singing to him. You must worship him and think, think about what you are saying. You know too many times people live there and they sing and they, they don't follow even the words in their own hearts. 
How many people understand what I'm talking about? We don't follow the thing in our heart. We just sing. We just sing. It's a nice reading and we just sing it along. But we are not following what we are saying. We don't really follow the meaning of what we are saying in our heart. Whereas every time you are singing and you are saying you are worthy, you ought to be thinking he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. Think, follow every sentence in the song. Psalm 47, maybe we'll close on that one. Psalm 47. Have you ever seen anybody leading praise and saying, This is that day, this is that day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in Him, and be glad in Him. I actually told somebody once, I said, If that's how you rejoice, I'm not going to join you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, be glad and be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. Say, ah, now wow. <laughs> Are you still there? I'm saying you have to mean it. Okay? For it to matter, you have to mean it. Psalm 47. Okay, look at verse 7. Are you there? I want you to read this yourself. Are you there? Okay, let's all read together. One, two, go. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. You know, the way I always like to illustrate that is it. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. So understand what you are saying. When you are saying it to him. Are you there? You know, and he's saying that God is not like your earthly king. Okay, there are too many earthly kings that when people see them, you know, just tradition. You see the king, you enter his palace, or the king come, he comes somewhere. People go, ah, this you, meaning let the uh, crown last long on your head and the shoes long on your feet. You know. Okay, so when we say, you know, inside of them, they may think you're you know, you know, they're thinking he's a stupid man. It's just because he's king, you see me prostrating for him, very foolish man. But inside of them, they are insulting him. You think it's possible? <laughs> Okay. Now the Bible says that God is not like any of those kings. Okay? He's the king of all the earth. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 says that all things are naked before him with whom we have to do. He sees the heart. And because he's the king of all the earth, sing your own praises with understanding. Mean what you are saying. Thanks for listening to this message. Hopefully you have picked something practical to apply for victorious living. If you loved this, then please send a message to admin at totalword.org or 090-93-30-3227 to let us know how this has blessed you. Also, head on to www.totalword.org slash podcast to listen to more. Stay blessed and refreshed till next time. God bless you.